Let's have a word of prayer, shall we? Father, as we enter into this hour, we ask that your spirit would be poured upon us, that your presence would press into us. Lord, we want you to abide in our hearts, and we just humbly ask that you would condescend one more time and dwell in these these uh, bodies of clay. Thank you, Father. May Christ be in us, we pray. We ask it in your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a... uh, I got to be careful because I'm I'm running. I don't have technology linked together here, so I'm doing two different things. But he who deliberately stifles his convictions of duty because it interferes with his inclinations will finally lose the power to distinguish between truth and error. That's kind of scary, isn't it? To know that something that we do, uh, we could jeopardize our ability to understand truth and error, to know the difference. Um, This was just on a, a calendar that we have And uh, Sherry read it yesterday. It was actually for two days ago, the 24th of August. And this was what was on it. I said, wow, that's powerful. i got to share it with everybody. God help us not to uh, shift our convictions of duty, but may we do that which God impresses us to do. Therefore, we will be able to understand the difference between truth and error. That's not the subject today so much, but today I'd like to talk about Satan's war and the Council of Peace that had taken place in heaven. Um, A lot of reading on this, so bear with me, but I think you'll be blessed. All the quotations are here. Jesus said, and blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. I know I've offended Jesus many times and the Father. I mean, things that I've, I've done, things I've said, things that I've thought. It's easy to offend God, I think. But here Jesus is saying, blessed is he who is not offended in me. Has Jesus ever offended you? Have you ever been offended by Jesus? I have been. Because he tells me what I should be eating. He doesn't demand it, but he says what's best. It kind of offends me. It means I have to give up something. Have you ever been offended by Jesus? Perhaps you haven't. I have. When I think about it, really. This flesh struggles with God's righteous requirements. 
And I need to come to that surrender daily to my Lord and Savior. So I, I pray that we all would come to the place where we're not offended because of Jesus. Because it's for our best good, right? We know that intellectually, the flesh struggles. We're not the only one that has struggled. Um, we know that there's an angel in heaven that was offended. Sorry, I didn't advance that, did I? Lucifer in heaven, before his rebellion, was a high and exalted angel, next in honor to God's dear son. His countenance, like those of the other angels, was mild and expressive of happiness. His forehead was high and broad, showing his powerful intellect. His form was perfect, his bearing noble and majestic. A special light beamed in his countenance and shone all around him brighter and more beautiful than around the other angels. Yet Christ, God's dear son, had a preeminence over all the angelic hosts. He was one with the Father before the angels were created. Lucifer was envious of Christ and gradually assumed command which devolved on Christ alone. That word devolved, I didn't understand what it meant, but it kind of means to be rolled over, something rolled upon. Thank you. The great creator assembled the heavenly host that he might, in the presence of all the angels, confer special honor upon his son. The son was seated on the throne with the father and the heavenly throng of holy angels was gathered around them. The father then made known that it was ordained by himself that Christ, his son, should be equal with himself so that wherever was the presence of his son, it was as his own presence. The word, of the, the word of the son was to be obeyed as readily as the word of the father. His son he had invested with authority to command the heavenly host. Lucifer was envious and jealous of Jesus Christ. Yet, when all the angels bowed to Jesus to acknowledge his supremacy and high authority and rightful rule, he bowed with them, but his heart was filled with envy and hatred. Angels that were loyal and true sought to reconcile this mighty rebellious angel to the will of his creator. They justified the act of God in conferring honor upon Christ and with forcible reasoning sought to convince Lucifer that no less honor was his now than before the father had proclaimed the honor which he had conferred on his son. They clearly set forth that Christ was the son of God existing with him before the angels were created and that he had ever stood in the rightful hand at the right hand of God and his mild, loving authority had not heretofore been questioned. And 
that he had given no commands, but that which was the joy for the heavenly host to execute. They urged that Christ's receiving special honor from the Father in the presence of the angels did not detract from, the, from that honor that Lucifer had uh, heretofore received. The angels wept. They, were anxi- they anxiously sought to move him to renounce his wicked design and yield submission to their creator. For all had heretofore been peace and harmony. Lucifer refused to listen. Mm. The sovereign of the universe was not alone in his work of beneficence. He had an associate, a co-worker, who would appreciate his purposes and could share his joy in giving happiness to created beings. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was the beginning with God. John 1, 1 and 2. Christ the Word, the only begotten Son, was one with the Eternal Father, one in nature, in character, in purpose. The only being that could enter into all the counsels and purposes of God. Awesome. I love this because we, it establishes Christ as the Son, his rightful place. Before the foundations of the earth were laid, the Father and Son had united in a covenant to redeem man if he should be overcome by Satan. They had clasped their hands in a solemn pledge that Christ would become the surety for the human race. This pledge was fulfilled. When upon the cross he cried out, It is finished! He addressed his father. The compact had been fully carried out. Now he declares, Father, it is finished. I have done thy will, O my God. I have completed the work of redemption. If thy justice is satisfied, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. This desire of ages 834. Signs of the Times, June 17, 1903, we read, The gospel is the hope of the world. The cross is God's agency for counterworking Satan's plan in restoring man to his original purity. The plan of salvation devised by the Father and the Son will be a grand success. Christ's atoning sacrifice will arouse the sluggish mind, quickening into activity man's mental and spiritual powers. So it is upon the the cross of Calvary as we partake of this, we'll be awakened and we can be brought to a place where we can be awakened and saved. Even he shall, this is Zechariah, even he shall build the temple of the Lord, and he shall be, and he shall bear the glory, and shall sit and rule upon his throne, and he shall be priest upon his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. So the Father and the Son had this council together. 
that they would not allow Satan to dupe us and would give us hope and salvation. In Psalm 69, we read, Let not them that wait on thee, O Lord of hosts, be ashamed for my sake. Let them, but let those who seek thee be conf- not be confounded for my sake, O God of Israel, because for thy sake I have borne reproach. Shame hath covered my face. There's several ways you can read this. And I don't know for sure which is the right way, but I have a leaning. And and what I'm saying is, let not them that wait on thee, O Lord God of hosts, be ashamed because of me, for my sake. Is he saying that? Because of me? Because of my position that I am because I'm so low on this earth? Let not those who seek thee be confounded for my sake. Or is he saying, read it this way, for my sake, let not them that wait on thee, O Lord of God, be ashamed. Because in the last part of the verse he says, because for thy sake I have borne reproach, shame hath covered my face. So it seems as the the son is talking to the father and he's saying, look, I've done this. Now because of you, for your sake or for my sake, don't let these people be ashamed. So I kind of think that maybe God or Jesus is talking with the father and he's saying, because I've done this, you do this for them. So we see the father and the son actively both taking a role in our salvation. And it's by the power of the Father that he's holding us up. When we want to be, uh, when we want to feel reproach, when we want to be ashamed, we don't want to be, but when it comes upon us, the Father holds us up. And we need the Father to hold us up all the time. I love this verse. I don't know quite how to read it yet, but if you have a suggestion, I'm open. And then Isaiah 53, 10 and 11 says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul, and he shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant sanctify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Well, that's surely talking of the Father and the Son there for our sake. Before the fall of man, the Son of God had united with his Father in laying the plan of salvation. The covenant has been entered into by the Father and the Son. I'm just driving this point home and I hope you don't get tired of seeing this theme because this theme is, to me, is is most beautiful. I see a father and a son that are taking care of their children. And, uh, yeah. A wonderful plan of redemption which human beings cannot fully understand, shows that the Creator deals justly and loves mercy. Because He loved man, He gave His Son as a sacrifice for sin, 
The plan of salvation has been laid before the foundation of the world was formed. In counsel together, the Father and Son determined that Satan should not be left unchecked to exercise his cruel power upon man. It is God's will that all, should be sa- all shall be saved and not one perish. But he does not compel obedience. He leaves all free to say whether or not they will take advantage of his offer of mercy. I love the freedom of choice that's in the gospel. It puts the responsibility on us for accepting. But he has done everything he can that we would accept him. Amen. By Christ, the work upon which the fulfillment of God's purpose rests was accomplished. This was the agreement in the councils of the Godhead. The Father purposed in counsel with his Son that the human family should be tested and proved to see whether they would be allured by the temptations of Satan or whether they would make Christ their righteousness, keeping God's commandments and live. God gave his Son all who would be true and loyal Christ covenanted to redeem them from the power of Satan at the price of his own life. Oh, beautiful gospel. And as we see here, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will no wise cast out. So the Father gives you and I to his Son. Isn't this awesome? So they've had this council of peace. They've come together. They've just laid out the plan. And the father says, I'm giving these, your children, to you. So the father gives us to his son. And then Jesus says, I will in no wise cast you out. Such tender love they have for us. Such tender love. In giving Christ, God gave heaven's choicest gift. So we see here that the Father not only gave us to his Son, but God the Father gave his Son to us. The choicest gift of heaven. I guess I didn't do what I was supposed to there, sorry. Christ the Word, the only begotten of the Son, was one with the eternal Father, one in nature, in character, and in purpose, the only being in all the universe that could enter into the counsels and purposes of God. Now we know that Satan wanted to be in that council. Satan wanted to know about the the creation of mankind and the creation of the earth, but he was not allowed to go into that council. And no doubt this brought up more of his anger against Christ, that he couldn't be like the Son of God, nor could he be like God. God has made every provision that his purpose in the creation of man shall not be frustrated by Satan. After Adam and Eve brought death into the world by their disobedience, a costly sacrifice was provided for the human race. Get this, a higher value than that they originally possessed was placed upon them. 
By giving Christ, his only begotten son, as a ransom for the world, God gave all heaven. I mean, don't you see how precious you are? You are so precious in God's sight. He gave all heaven for you. He gave all of his son. This is powerful. This increases our value. And everyone that's out there that's stoned or drunk, everyone that's caught in what every kind of sin there is, he loves them. And he wants you and me to have the same type of love for these people. God help us to get out of our shells. God help us to go where people need help and to open ourselves up to them. This is our calling, brothers and sisters. We've got to be like our father and our elder brother. This is our calling. We shall be judged according to the light we have had, according to the privileges that we have been granted, according to the opportunity we have had to hear and understand the word of God. These privileges have been given us through the infinite cost to the Father and the Son. The plan of redemption has been devised and carried out so far, though through the sacrifice of all heaven. And the gift of the Holy Spirit has been provided that the divine might unite with the human and that man might be elevated in moral and spiritual worth. Praise God for the gift of the Holy Spirit. The eternal Father, the unchangeable one, gave his only begotten son. Listen to this. Listen to this English here. The eternal father, the unchangeable one, gave his only begotten son, tore from his bosom him who was made in the express image of his person and sent him down to the earth to reveal how greatly he loved mankind. He is willing to do more, more than we can ask or think. An inspired writer asked a question which should sink deep into every heart. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Shall not every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ say, since God has done so much for us, how shall we not for Christ's sake? Here's our opportunity in the equation. How shall we not for Christ's sake show our love to him by obedience to his commandments? by being doers of his word, by unreservedly consecrating ourselves to his service. What an awesome opportunity we have to link, kind of link hands with the creator of the universe. We only have one opportunity to do his will on earth. We only have one life to live. We won't get to do this work of saving souls in heaven. God help us now. Now's the time to do it. You're not too busy to save souls. You're not too busy. I know you're busy. Each one of you are busy. You're working. You're, you're working so hard you can't even remember what you did the day before. But take time. Take time for other people. 
take time because we're not going to have this time to save souls after we go to heaven, if we get to go to heaven. You know what I mean? God help us. Well, Lucifer, he was striving. He had glory in the heavenly courts, but he was striving for Christ's place next to God. Next, he wanted to be God, but he could not obtain that. Jesus was the only begotten Son of God, and Lucifer, that glorious angel, got up a warfare over the matter until he had to be thrust down to earth. Angels were expelled from the heaven from heaven because they would not work in harmony with God. They fell from their highest state because they wanted to be exalted. They had come to exalt themselves and they forgot that their beauty of person and character came from the Lord Jesus. This fact the angels would obscure that Christ was the only begotten Son of God and that they came to consider that they were not to consult Christ. Do you see what the matter was? What the fact was? It's the fact, this fact the angels would obscure that Christ was the only begotten Son of God. Satan hated that. They all hated that idea that, Satan, or that Christ was above them. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, says, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter got it, and all the apostles except one, they got it. Gee, that's who Jesus was. He's the son of the living God. And that living God is alive today on the throne and he cares for you. He loves you. And he's working out for you your life, your problems, every issue, if you will but take it to him. Who is a liar? But he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledges the Son hath the Father also. Satan flattered himself that he could lead Christ to doubt the words spoken from heaven at his baptism. And if he could tempt him to question his sonship and doubt the truth of the words spoken by his father, he would gain a great victory. What was spoken? What was spoken at the baptism? And lo, a voice of heaven saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So again... We read that he, could, he tried to tempt him to question his sonship and doubt the truth of the words spoken by his father. So this is truth, that Jesus is the Son of God. You might be saying, why do you keep saying that? Why do you keep harping on this moment? 
is because there's a real problem in our world and in our church. You might say, in our church? Yeah. Do you really believe that Jesus is the Son of God? That's the question we're asked. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. And herein is the love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. Now, the uh, theologians of the day have a word And when they use this word metaphor, they use it for the Son of God. They say, it's a figure of speech in which the word or the phrase is applied to an object or action to which is not literally applicable. So when they talk about Jesus being a metaphor, oh, it's the Son of God is used in a metaphorical sense of the word, What are you saying? Are you saying it's not literally applicable? That Jesus isn't the Son of God? Is that what these theologians are saying? Well, they might use another word. They might say, well, it's it's role play. Jesus was just role playing his position. He's, He's not actually the Son of God. And and if you're role-playing, it's an act of imitating the character and behavior of someone who is different from yourself. Now, this makes my head hurt. And I scratch my head because I can't figure out how someone can say that Jesus up in heaven was role-playing. He really wasn't the Son of God. And if he really wasn't the Son of God then that means the Father really wasn't the Father of Christ. If it's a role play, right? Is that what they're saying? Or are these people who they say they are? Our God and our elder brother, the Son of God? I just wanted you to think about this because it's either got to be one way or it can't be. So maybe the son, the father and the son can trade places. Today, I think I'll take your place and you can, you can sit on the throne today and I'll, I'll take your place down there. There's a lot of people saying, well, when Jesus was on the cross, he really didn't die because it was just a human body left there 
And his spirit went to the Father, so he really didn't die. So if he really didn't die, then you don't have a sacrifice. You only have a human sacrifice for your sins. You don't have a divine sacrifice for your sin. And if that's the case, what's the use of serving a God that didn't die for you? What about Abraham and Isaac? When Abraham was taking that long journey to Moriah, Mount Moriah, he knew what he had to do to his son, and his heart was breaking all the way. He was dreaming or praying for a way out. God, please change your mind. Maybe I didn't understand you right or whatever. Whatever was going through his mind, he was struggling. But he fulfilled what God told him to do, and he was willing to, to do what God said to his son. He would have done anything to trade places with his son, but he couldn't. He couldn't trade places, and neither could the Father in heaven trade places with his son. It had to be that way. So it is my understanding and my decision that that teaching is from Babylon. And wherever you hear that teaching come across in our church, it's from Babylon. It's not to be listened to because it goes against the spirit of prophecy and it goes against the Bible. It's Babylonian thinking. The truths most plainly revealed in the Bible have been, revealed, have been involved in doubt and darkness by learned men who with pretense of great wisdom teach that the scriptures have a mystical, a secret spiritual meaning that not apparent to the, in the language applied. These men are false teachers. The language of the Bible should be explained according to its obvious meaning unless a symbol or a figure is employed. Jim, or Great Controversy 598. It's plain. It's plain to me. complete offering had been made for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son not a son by creation as were the angels nor a son by adoption as is the forgiven sinner but as a son begotten in the express image of the father's person and in the brightness of his majesty and glory one equal with God in authority dignity and divine perfection Bam! How else can it be said so clear? I love it. Our Father begotten His Son. You might ask, well, what does begotten mean? We don't use that terminology anymore, do we? We'll get to it. The Eternal Father, the Unchangeable One, gave his only begotten son, tore from his bosom him who was made in the express image of his person and sent him down to earth to reveal how greatly he loved mankind. Oh, how loved we are. How loved we are. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat 
You know what begat means? That means is to have a child, right? Or to give birth. Everyone that loveth him that begat the Father, I'm putting that in, loveth him that is begotten of him. Christ was begotten of the Father. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And we know that the Son of God is come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true, even the Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. This could be confusing reading this. But do you know who the true God is? Jesus tells us in John 17, 3. In this verse, he's praying to his Father. He says, this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So we see the Father and his Son working out our salvation And I just want to encourage you to study these things out and stick with the word that God has given us because he loves you. And those two wonderful people gave themselves for our salvation. May God fill your hearts with joy exceedingly and encouragement and a desire to please the Father in heaven. Is my prayer in Jesus' name. Thank you. God bless you.